0: How strong are you and your account management team when it comes to the skills of closing new business? I'm not talking about taking repeat orders here from happy clients. I'm talking about applying the art of winning new business, creating opportunities and closing deals with existing customers. Today on Camcast, I'm joined in conversation with David Ledge-Ledgerwood, managing partner at Ad1Zero, where his team provides lead-to-close sales execution for tech-enabled B2B service companies ready to leap from six to seven digits of revenue. He and his team spend their days week in, week out, sharpening the tools and crafting the processes for maximizing revenue and sales opportunities. And throughout his career, Ledge has closed over $40 million with an average deal size of more than $150,000. He's got deep-rooted expertise in selling software and services and has helped several companies grow from zero to $5 million in sales. So I wanted to ask him for his experiences in how he and his team defined the sales process, what great onboarding looks like to him, and how we can use a methodical approach to insight-led selling, where every team member who interacts with clients is feeding information and intelligence back into the business to enable better marketing, better selling, and great account management. Welcome to CamCast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. So listeners of the show will be aware that I'm always looking for legends within the industry uh, that can help me <laughs> spread the good word and give incredible value here on Camcast and when looking for a legend I couldn't look further than someone whose name is ledge. So uh, David take a seat by the window you ledge tell us a little bit about you and where you
1: are in the world today David. I am David Ledgerwood I go by Ledge from my friends and in uh in work. That is a three generation nickname for the family. So, some brothers, uncles, fathers, grandfathers, the whole thing. So, just keep picking it up. I reside in uh, split time between Nashville, Tennessee, and Dallas, Texas. And I am managing partner and co founder of Ad10. And the focus of our business is that we work with founders of uh, B2B services companies of think of on the premium agency or professional services type of business. And uh, we help them build out a full revenue function and uh, take on all the sales calls so that they can grow and scale the business, the operator side. So it's a discovery that I made when I was helping companies grow from the sort of six figure to seven figure. And I said, why can't you do this in a cost-effective fashion without this sort of Let's hire a really expensive v p of sales. It just didn't make sense at that stage, and mm-hmm. you could you could have a fractional c f o or c m o and so why can't you do this with a sort of a fractional revenue division yeah, yeah. and so uh now I know some reasons why that's difficult, but uh, you know, we 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 pulled it off and we we did that thing and so far so good. It's been uh 2 years this week, I think.
0: Well, happy happy 2-year birthday. That sounds Thanks. like it's a nice time to celebrate. I love the idea by nice the thing. way. Of, of you having a third generation uh, nickname as well? Of course with a surname like mine uh, with Ventura growing up in the sort of 90s at school, I was always being called Ace. My We're kids back. my kids are too young for that. In that, I don't know that their friends will know the Ace Ventura films, so they they might you avoid a it. There. They, they might yeah. avoid it. Although there was talk, I think, in the press recently, of there being a new sequel to the movie, so that mm. that, that, that nickname may get uh, resurrected in our family. <laughs> but hey, listen, we're not here to talk about surnames uh, today, Ledge. We're, we're, we're here to talk about sales, and and actually, I I say that to say this sales is is part and parcel of what we do here in key account management and what we talk about on Camcast. And yet in the world of key account management, sometimes mm. it can fall a little bit by the wayside because we spend so much time delighting our customers and working on those relationships and delivering great service that we often, I spo- I was, I was going to say sit back and let the orders roll in. It's, I'm simplifying it and I'm being flippant by saying that. And yet I think we can all admit that sometimes we perhaps could have been more intentional in creating and crafting the opportunity and making the sale rather than being a great account manager and taking the order. So I guess that's why I wanted to talk to you today, really, all about sales and that sales element. And it it feels, uh, I guess, natural to look at sales from a pipeline point of view and a sort of Mm -hmm. lead through to close journey. We've all got different nuances and variations of what we might call those stages of the pipeline. And we'll have different definitions and nuances of what we mean by stages of those pipeline. You know, what does a lead mean to you? Might mean something different to someone Else. Uh, what's a prospect? What's a customer? What's a key account? All of those things have got personal definitions and nuances. Um, tell us yours, uh, Ledge. You know, g- give us a journey, I guess, first of all, of your sales pipeline, the stages that a,
1: a lead or a suspect prospect might go through. First of all, I love that is is it a UK thing to say suspect? Because I think that's fantastic. I uh, <laughs> never heard that, but I I, I want to do that. And my kids sit around and playing these game video games that is among us now and everything is Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sus. What is sus? You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I sus- get it. well I don't I don't actually know if it's a UK thing. It's certainly a me thing. I've always said it in all the work that I do. I, I talk about I suppose suspects being those organizations or those people that you've identified that you suspect might be yeah. a good fit for you, but you haven't yet started prospecting them. That's, that's my yeah, definition. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's personal to me. It becomes personal to many of the customers I work with for obvious reasons. But yeah, I don't know if it's a UK thing or it's nice, to hear, it. that, nice to hear that you
1: like that. I do. I do. Uh, it makes them sound somewhat criminal. <laughs> Yeah. in nature. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> All the best customers started
1: off as criminals. No, it can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> so how do I think about pipeline? Yeah. So our world does exist in, you know, sort of the initial sale realm. Right. And, and I do, I do think about, you know, sort of the full revenue system or, or engine where whether or not, you know, Mike, particular team is is managing it we do work very closely with the top of funnel right and there are different channels that go into top of funnel i don't get i don't get particularly wound up about is something outbound is something inbound you know what type of effort did we make there i just think of you know like leads need to get into the the top of the funnel my primary consideration the world for us starts if if someone marketing and or otherwise can get a meeting to Come in. So appointment focus funnel is the way right. that we we think about it. Um, we just you know operate from the standpoint that someone schedules an appointment based on some stimulus, and you know they're showing interest and some maybe some timeliness. And our job is to then pre-educate them a little bit based on the fact that they did schedule. So we do this thing we call a pre-call sequence, yeah. which uh, drips out several personalized emails to them that answer some of those key questions that might come up and take some of that appointment time. Mm. What you want to do is is focus on the deal-making and relationship building. And so, Mm -hmm. if I can pre-answer some questions, that's a good thing to do. Then we work it from, you know, so the appointment happened. And typically, the primary way that that we think about the world is, uh, you know, almost everybody should be qualified by the time they get to an appointment if we've done the funnel work properly. Maybe a timing issue, you know. There may be some that slip through, but qualification rate is high. And by the time you spend any uh, sales leader's time, you know, on the phone or on a Zoom call, as it were, these days, and um, and after that, you know, we we like to have a very high ratio of proposals to calls. So we think that you should always put an offer out in front of people, uh, whether or not that's a rate card or you know a custom proposal type of situation like you might have in an agency you can design different workflows for that you know make sure those things happen and then well known follow up procedures of calling texting email and ultimately you're trying to shoot for that verbal where you can send a contract our personal opinion is that you know contracts ought not to go to people unless there's, you know, a 90 X percent chance that they're going to sign it. So, yeah. uh, the call to close ratio is the metric that we try to keep careful, uh, attention to, yeah. you know, on our, on our side, we hope that if you send out a contract, you know, that it's, it's going to get signed. So I, I see a lot of businesses that send out quotes and, you know, sort of things for e-signatures where it's a relatively low probability that that'll get signed. We, we think that if you're going to send something out for a signature, that it should be uh, a real good chance it's going to be signed there. So after that, then we have to do a high touch sort of operationalized version to hand off to customer success or account management or, or what have you. And so that's, that's that world where, you know, hey, we've just as sales folks or, you know, revenue folks, we want to hand really great leads or, or not leads, but accounts into the funnel. Hmm. after the customer conversion and then say, you know, we we think this is a, a valid long-term uh, account that you can get a lot of future business from. Hmm. And then the question becomes is, at least in, in our client's case, you know, is how do you operationalize that sales process to make sure that, you know, sort of post-sale, post-customer, that we do continue to offer things and we do continue to make additional investments and, in, you know, sort of, not just rely on that order taking, like oh well, the customer's in the door now. They'll ask for something when they need it. Uh, I do believe that you know we have need to have clean lines to offer people things so that they always have a new idea that you're always bringing value. And sure, it might turn into new business, but you you should work that way, not just not just execute on what you promised in your original SOW mm-hmm. uh, statement of work, right or scope of work. Yeah, you should have that disposition that I want to grow this account. Yeah. What I often find is that the account management function has uh inherited some maybe bad habits from the from the SaaS world and uh they're all customer success people so they want to make, you know, sort of that experience really great and we don't want to, you know, sort of we're afraid to sell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where account managers that come out of the sales revenue side Mm will tend a little bit more to lean into, you know, try to grow the account. But that said, you know, a lot of us, I think there's a a set of hats that get worn and a lot of us in sales would be miserable being account managers because we like to, you know, hunt and kill, you know, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the opportunity exists for an account management and customer success function to be paired with somebody on the revenue side, whose job is to whenever numbers come up, Let's tag that person in and talk about making deals and have conversations. So you know a team-based approach seems yeah. to work better for me.
0: i, I, I like I like the idea because you know we we believe here at Camguru that cam is a team sport, it's not a job for lone heroes. And actually, if you think about those different hats that you've got to wear, whilst an account manager is often tasked with wearing both the hunter and the farmer hat, you tend to find that one of those hats fits better than the other for mm-hmm. that individual it, it you know they they're more comfortable wearing the either the farmer hat or the hunter hat and actually if they can buddy up with someone who can bring to the table the skills of the other role and the other abilities then then that makes a dynamite pairing i'm keen to understand i guess how you would go about onboarding uh, a new account onboarding a new customer tell us a bit about about that and your and your approach at Add1Zero? The first thing we do with a client is,
1: is open the floodgates. It's just everybody, all we want to do, drive traffic, book meetings, and we start to learn from those. So we analyze every call that we, we do and pull out all the questions that are asked, pull out all the objections, You know, just actually literally make a database of all, of all these things and then sort them out based on, okay, here's how often we hear these things. Here are, therefore... You know, a nice pile of content prompts. So let's make sure on the top of funnel that marketing is producing content that answers these questions. Next down the funnel is these are specific questions that relate to uh, what would be a sales enablement material, such as like, show me a case study of an exact client that was like me, you know, that's a sales enablement that's not marketing in our world. And then beyond that, then we have like, here's the top three questions that people need to know before they come in. So let's do the pre-call sequence. And so as you get down and you refine and continue to pass that information back up funnel, better and better calls happen with more qualified leads that we continue to feed that information back to make more content. You know, the call to close ratio goes up as a result. And the beautiful thing there is when you have better prospects at the bottom of funnel, you know, actually getting there and qualified, you can generally raise the price too. So we like that a lot. Camcast, key account management made easy.
0: So one of the things I liked that you just mentioned there, actually, is the idea that from all of the conversations that we're having, even from the outset, we are analysing what's been asked, what's been said, and then feeding that information back into our funnel in terms of content, because actually you know we talked about you know preparation for calls preparation for next stages wouldn't it be really sensible to figure out well actually i'm having this conversation a lot and people seem to ask this question a lot so let me create some content or prepare my answer for that question in advance of the next call what what would you call that that sort of sort of analysis piece you know that that we're really encouraging people to to do what's the what's the tick box that the, that they need to be looking for i guess in their sequence
1: Yeah, we call it sales-informed marketing, Uh, Mm. you know, that we just believe that... uh, So many companies will tell you, right, like that you're supposed to do customer discovery. Uh, Lean Startup talks about all customer discovery. You ought to have spent a lot of time talking to potential customers. But we forget to do that once we start making money. And then for some reason, there's all kinds of consultants, present company included, both of us, I'm sure, that you can pay to go study my customer cohort and figure out why people do business with me and what do they want to know? And Mm. uh, is my persona still right? And it's just like, you could spend an inordinate amount of money. And I just think if you have sales calls, you're already doing those things, yeah right? So, we just, we tell people record every sales call Mm -hmm. and don't just use it for coaching purposes. There's a lot of this sales intelligence software, you know, gong, things like that. And they seem to focus around you know, using it for coaching opportunities for your reps. And I, and I think that's great. You should certainly do that. But what I was surprised to learn is like, nobody looks at that and says, literally, what things does the prospect want to know? Mm. And you have dozens of, of customer interviews and they're happening all the time, mm. literally on the front lines there. And you can take that information and not have to have all your sales reps say, the same answers one-to-one one over and over and over again, it's remarkably inefficient where your marketing doesn't, it's like a, a thousand to one. Yeah. You know, so we say a thing and we can trumpet a thing and put our brand muscle behind a thing. I think your prospects are telling you everything you could ever want to know. Yeah. And we found that, uh, this was a surprise, you know. We wanted to inform marketing just so the sales meetings would be better. But uh, product teams started jumping on top of this stuff and saying, oh, "You have real feedback from real prospects about oh, our feature yeah, set, yeah. and 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 it actually it goes down past the customer level to inform product roadmap. So that's yeah. that's been an interesting find. And we we did a thing just because we wanted to have it, so our sales calls would be better. And product teams jumped on it too. So
0: So I always talk about closing the gap between sales and marketing. And there's Mm -hmm. sometimes for many businesses this cavernous gap, isn't there, between (laughs) sales and and, and marketing. And I think it's driven by a number of things. One of those things, of course, is that marketing tends to be very Mm campaign-driven, which means that they're thinking slightly more proactively over a longer-term process or activity. And in sales, we can perhaps be a little bit more reactive particularly with inbound inquiries and in- inbound leads and a bit more day-to-day week-to-week on what we're trying to achieve here in the now. So it's a kind of long-term proactive patience versus short-term reactive impatience sometimes can create that divide. So having a sales informed approach to to marketing and prospecting I think is where we can force if you like and i Use the word "force" for the greater good. You know, the, uh, in that you know we can really bring those two departments together for great outcomes, and to be a, a little bit more intentional, I guess, in, uh, in in our conversations and what we're doing, rather than just reeling off the same spiel uh, that we that we normally reel off. So I love that. You, you also mentioned about profiling because, of course, part of our marketing activity that feeds into the sales activity is about profiling who our key customers might be we know who our key customers are today who could they be tomorrow and where are they right now are they carbon copies of the best ones that we've got today or are we missing a trick and should we be targeting a a different key customer profile when we're doing our prospecting activity what are your thoughts on the best ways to profile and and come up with these sort of personas
1: yeah, you know, I I try to do that as quick as possible. I, people who hire us uh, typically want to see, you know, hey, start closing deals as quickly as you can, and in order to learn things about, you know, the current profile, what we would do is just say, all right, snapshot your cohort of all people that have paid you in the last year, and throw that in a spreadsheet really quick, and just say, all I want you to do is label the the ones that you wish you could. Clone, you know, it's like if you could do business with somebody all day long and you wish you had uh, 10 more of them, mark those green. If there's somebody you don't mind collecting their money, but, you know, they take it or leave it and just, you know, decent regular customer, you know, mark that yellow. And if there's people that you say, good God, I will never sign a contract with somebody like that again, mark that red. And let's just sort that out in a super simple, this is, a, you know, a low fidelity type of way to say, all right, what do all the greens have in common? And what might they, let's just take a stab at trying some value statements that, that could work for that. Uh, us being salespeople, you know, I, I guess I think we approach the, the whole thing is definitely about revenue. And so we talk, go back to, you know, aligning marketing and sales. Like that's why there's revenue functions now. And I think actually that's, that's proper because you, you won't get hamstrung into a great deal of these sort of academic persona building and brand building and you know 57 page powerpoints about messaging and you know things like that that I walk into all the time and go, you know, okay, like I get it. Like this is how marketing people want to think. Salespeople want to think differently. But if we work together and say, look, the only focus is revenue growth here, and can we material materially look at this set of activities that we're doing, you know, on the whiteboard without ever talking to a customer? And can we say that that's Valuable to make more revenue um, that's a few hops away for me, so I want everybody to be focused and if we treat meetings as this you know sort of customer discovery mechanism, then we want to drive more meetings, right Because that's the only thing that we should do at the beginning is figure out what people actually want from the real marketplace. So you go back and say, all right you know what is the only why are we developing a marketing persona you know sort of?" VP of marketing david right like i don't know i am a little more concrete than that so not to i get the point but i also think that if you have any customers and people who are paying you know profile them that's mm-hmm. the thing that, that you want right
0: 'cause you because you'll find as you said the, those those red ones there are the ones that aren't working for you, which uh, you know and you and you can look at that again as a, as a percentage if you've got you know seventy percent of your current customers are red and they're not working <laughs> for you then then maybe there's a there's something to be looked at within the model there that you're you're just maybe not looking for researching for or getting the right inquiries, but finding those yeah. the greens and the I, I I think that's a really nice way of of simplifying it and 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 mm-hmm. looking at it looking at it nicely. And, you know, for me, what's what's coming out at me there is this whole question of, you know, what can we learn from today's activity and today's conversations and today's customer base that can inform, shape and develop the way that we interact with tomorrow's customer mm-hmm. base? You know, what can we learn from today that will shape the way we do business tomorrow? And I really like that idea of constantly being on the lookout for that for that learning so you know one of the things i said at the start of our session today ledge was that you know you very much operate on this sort of uh, sales cycle that goes from lead all the way through to the close and sometimes as account managers we don't get close enough to the close mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your top tips if you like for closing new business from existing clients you know if you think about that as the intention the objective the the
1: mission uh, yeah. what are your top tips for closing business from existing clients so first identifying that business and i'll give you examples so It's like whoever touches the customer after they're a customer is really what would be your frontline Intelligence gathering, you know, like these are the, the people that, and it's account managers and delivery and customer service, customer support, maybe developers, maybe you know, like whoever that is that has any interaction with somebody at the customer, you want to train them and be, have them be thinking about what signals am I seeing? A great example of this is I used to work with, you know, high end freelance developers, and we would ask them, you say I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I like it's just like get, get me like you're literally working on this team, and I say what do you see? You know, and they didn't perceive that as a sales thing, but they might say, "Oh, this team is so disorganized." You know, like we really need some focus on goals. And like in my sales head, that goes ding ding ding. I'm going to sell them a project manager or a scrum master, and so you can get ideas from. And the signals for that there's a need from all the frontline people who actually are touching the client who often aren't thinking that way. You know, again, they're thinking about like, I want to give them a great experience so they stick around. That's good for not churning. It isn't good for growing. So, we ought to work together as a cross-functional team to come up with, hey, what do you see and what if we offered them this? And... That typically will be a long-term type of thing and say, hey, David, when are you doing your next quarterly planning? We have a client like you that asked us to do some stuff and we're really thinking about expanding that offer. I'd love to tell you about it. It's low key. You know, I think this might add value for you. And you've got to be able to have those kind of openings, you know. So make sure that you're working together with accounts or project management or whoever it is to uh, to get that FaceTime. Maybe even sit in on a few calls that they do. You know, there's, Maybe there's a weekly status call or a, a monthly status call. Just join it and, and listen and uh, don't let that relationship go if you're the person that needs to close that business. And then you've got to ask for business. You have to propose things. Did you know we also do this? And here's a place that that might be valuable to you. I noticed that you're getting extra value from this, this, and this. If we paired it with this service, I think that that would actually make a big difference and you'd see key ROI on it. Can I propose that to you? Mm. Just you got to ask, you know, that's, that's all it is. I'd really like to work with you. I think this is interesting. I felt a good affinity in, in our call. You know, is there, how do we advance this? You know, I really want to do the next thing together. We could start small, we could start big. What do you want to do? And I don't see how you can ever get business without asking for it. That you're just waiting for people. That how many times do you just walk up to somebody and go, "Like I really want to give you money." <laughs> you know, like it sales is it's a real thing. These are not impulse buys.
0: Ledge, the, everything we've discussed today, I think has had a bit of a running theme. And coming into this episode, I perhaps thought our running theme was going to be sales, mm-hmm. and it, and it is. I'm not suggesting it's not that the, the firmer and more prominent running theme actually is in learning. And it's mm-hmm. been learning from what's going on, what people are saying, what we're hearing, and then feeding that learning forward, intentionally so, into our next activities and the and the next prospect that we speak to, if it's a prospect, or the next customer that we speak to, if it's a customer, the next key account contact that we're speaking to, if it's a key account contact. I, I love the way that you talk about doing business. I think it's a, it, there's an intellect attached to to what you do and how you do it for any listeners thinking uh, i'd like to find out more about ledge today uh um, um, what they do uh you know what how can people get in touch what, what what can people do to find out more
1: well thank you for saying i sound like i have intellect that means <laughs> that means i've completely closed the deal on that one so, excellent uh, <laughs> david ledge ledgerwood on linkedin post all kinds of content there you can check me out on the leaders of b2b podcasts i'm one of the hosts. Over there, and we talk to B two B executives and founders. All different lessons learned there, and uh, our business is Add One Zero A D D Numeral One Z E R O If you are uh, an agency founder or a consulting founder, or, you know somebody of that nature, and you want to get out of the sales seat and scale your business, you know those are the people that we build revenue functions for.
0: Excellent. Well, there's a nice little uh, nice little direct there to the website and uh, do check out Ledge on LinkedIn uh, and via his website. Thank you so much for joining us today on Camcast. It's been a pleasure chatting to you.
1: David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Camcast.
0: Key account management made easy. Time for some reflection, as always. How informed is your sales approach? Are you and your team acting as intelligence agents who are able to feed powerful insights into your sales approach to add higher levels of value to your key accounts and ultimately create more opportunities for account growth? For me, Ledger's approach clearly works well for him and his team, and I love the intentionality in his work. You'll have your own processes and ways of engaging with accounts and onboarding new customers. And it's always nice to hear how other people work and then decide if there's any great ideas, new or otherwise, that you could enhance your account management approach with. I wonder what you've heard that you liked, or perhaps there's something that you disagree with. So get in touch and let me know what you'd like to hear more of in future episodes of Camcast. Like many of the episodes here on the show, learning is the running theme. And again, we have examples of closing the gap between sales and other departments. For me, this was all about intentional and intelligent selling, all with the main goal of winning more business from your most important customers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app, and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.